We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Blue Wire. What is up, Nets fans? Welcome to Brooklyn Buzz. I'm Nick Faye. With me as always, Jack Manuel. Jack, how are we doing? Non-Kyrie talk, yay. Yeah, you can hear the excitement in my voice. You know, I think we have a little bit of Kyrie fatigue. We're going to talk some off-season targets, some free agent targets, focusing on the big man position, which we thought was probably the least influenced by Kyrie and Katie in terms of their future. So hopefully... Good things happen for the Nets, and this podcast continues to have value Well, this specific episode. But before we jump into a quick reminder, you can find the buzz on all streaming platforms. But, Jack, similar to what we do with the guards, I think it's important to note who is under contract for the Nets next season at the big man position, and that is one man, Dayron Sharp. Yep, Dayron Sharp, first-round pick last year. And, look, out of the list of guys that we will discuss, you could make an argument that Dayron Sharp and his growth and development could be, you know, more influential than guys like Gorgie Jang, JaVale McGee, Demarcus Cousins, Dwight Dedman. So having him under contract long-term for cost control is a, is a nice little thing to have. Agreed. I mean, there is some potential with Sharp, and obviously we saw growth last year, not only on the court, but literally physically. You know, he did a lot of work with his body to get leaner and obviously a little bit quicker. I thought he was moving better on the court in the NBA regular season rather than summer league last year. We know about the potential of adding a three-point shot. You know, like we've talked about, the biggest thing for him is just developing defensively and kind of almost having an identity on the end of the floor. You know, are you a good drop big? Are you a good switch big? Like, how can you have an impact? And also just understanding the value that your position has and how your positioning is so important on the floor to help your teammates. Yeah, look, I'm, I tweeted out a week or so ago about Daron Sharp in terms of what he needs to do or what other people think he needs to do to force himself into the rotation. The Nets had a plus 9.4 offensive rebound percentage when he was on the floor last season via clean the glass, which is the 99th percentile. He is an elite rebounder already, even as a rookie. A lot of people were talking about you know, rim protection, limiting his fouls, which is you know some yep. rookie sort of stuff. Um, your ability to hit the three ball was a little bit in there, but I think it was more about just the defensive chops and the nous there. And I think that that will come with, you know, hopefully, you know, a nice little solid, solid summer league, but we'll see how it sort of goes there. You know, his free throws, some people were saying, you know, mainly the sort of defensive side of the ball, which is as a big man, probably the hardest thing to adjust to from 
the college and lower level game to the NBA where the pace is so much and the rotations and drop and you know, hedging and just knowing yep. how to do things and helming things and rim protection. And, and Damon Sharp is a relentless worker. He looks to be in some, some pretty great shape. So I'm intrigued to see if hopefully the Nets are in uh, a whole entity and they are looking to challenge what Darren Sharp can do at Summer League and maybe get some sneaky minutes here or there because when he did this season, you know, he wasn't too bad. Yeah, he definitely had an impact. And like you said, Jack, you know, center is arguably the toughest position to play on defense because you're asked to do so much in terms of helping your teammates, but also required to have some level of versatility. I think another area Sharp could have an impact would be, you know, having more activity as an off-ball screener. You know, on ball, he set some really physical, tough screens. Occasionally, if you watch some highlights of him off-ball, he can kind of, I I guess, half-ass some of his off-ball screens when he's such a physical presence where he can really have an impact in kind of creating space for his teammates. But, you know, maybe deeper into the offseason, we'll be able to kind of jump into Daron Sharp, and obviously we'll give him some attention during summer league in which he's going to. But talking about the Nets' free agent bigs, we have Nick Claxton as a restricted free agent. We have Blake Griffin as an unrestricted free agent. Andre Drummond, unrestricted free agent. And LaMarcus Aldridge, unrestricted free agent. Jack, thoughts on these guys? Nick Claxton is a must to retain, Nick. You know, even if just purely for the, the salary number 10 to 12, 8 to 12, 9 to 12, 9 to 13 million dollars, it's an asset that you want to have in, in possible trade packages. If you, Nick Claxton doesn't fit with your team, you package him with a Bruce Brown or a Joe Harris, you can get a decent you know, 25 28 $30 million piece in return. But purely for this free agents, you know, the, the free agency at the big man position, Nick Claxton, you can make a very, very credible argument that he is one of the best, if not yeah. the better bigs out there. And if you're getting him at cost control, despite the fact what reports we've gotten, we've gotten, you know, we've spoken this about on previous episodes. There's reports that the Nets will match. There's reports that the Nets won't match, and those are coming from varying sources. I would assume. Look, we've had plenty of discourse about Sean Marks and Joe Side, but if you're going to let you know, Nick Claxton walk and you're not getting a Chris Boucher in return or or, or something else, or a value in return of a, a decent first rounder then it would be derelict in the duty of of the front office. So I think Nick Claxton says, and I think he fits so well with the Nets. You know, he has a nice real tandem with with Kyrie Irving and Kevin Durant. He's an, an incredible switch big. His defense is, is absolutely elite. And, you know, he's working on the free throws. We've seen a lot of that in this offseason. The hair's been cut. I think that he is going to have a, a big season next year, and hopefully that is with Brooklyn. Yeah, I agree, Jack. Obviously, like you said, it's a must to retain him. If you do not retain him, he has to go out in a sign and trade. He just cannot walk, especially given he's a restricted free agent. So the Nets need to find a way to have you know some type of impact with him. And even if it's just, like you said, getting a pick back and not a player, you need to create something. And in worst case, even if you don't see him fitting well with Ben Simmons, you retain him on the roster, move him at the deadline. And like we talked about in the past, you know, worth a first-round pick last year to Toronto. And also, like you said, Jack, pretty good argument that he's the best defensive big on the market. You know, maybe you could talk about Mitchell Robinson as a shot blocker, but he doesn't have the versatility Claxton has and also has more trouble staying on the court in terms of fouls and injuries. So Claxton is definitely a defensive big that has shown promise to play in the playoffs where a lot of these guys get played off the floor because they can't, you know, switch and Clax, that's something he can do. And like you said, he's working hard in the off season 
and it looks like there'll definitely be some growth to his game. And it's important to note that a couple of his off seasons have kind of got cut short. You know, last year wasn't a normal off season because it was shortened because of, you know, the bubble into the NBA season and all that. And then the prior seasons he's dealt with injuries. So it's going to be interesting to see what type of progress he can make in a full off season. But in terms of Blake Griffin, Andre Drummond, and LaMarcus Aldridge, you think all three guys are gone? I would assume, Nick, and just to sort of finish up with, with Nick Claxton, I remember I said on a previous show that, you know, the on-off numbers for him in, in the postseason were pretty positive, to, especially compared to a lot of other key rotation players, including the likes of Kevin Durant, Kyrie Irving and such. So the fact that despite his free throws, many, 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 many free throw woes, he was still an effective and important player, especially when you made the comparison point between Andre Drummond. So, look, Blake, Drummond, LaMarcus, if one of these guys is back because Kim and Durant is there and Kim and Durant wants a buddy around you know, to be number 15 on the roster, then cool. But I can't see any of these guys making an impact for us given their age. Uh, Andre Drummond's, you know, his impact in the postseason. If the Nets are going to be a contender, you want guys that can genuinely contribute in the postseason. And Andre Drummond just can't do that just because there's so many limitations whether it's basketball IQ, defensive, he just loses his powers like it's Space Jam. So yeah. I just think that it's it's Nick Claxton, Nick, and then you know hopefully you fill out with a, a couple of guys here and there, and you know you maybe get lucky, you know, with some taxpayer MLE stuff, or you make a trade for a for a sort of a spacing big to sort of make up for Nick Claxton's offensive, you know, inefficiency. So look, ultimately. There's not really much of a discussion to have with with Blake, Andre, and LaMarcus. I wouldn't hate having, out of those three, I think Blake would be the one that I'd like to have around the most just because of the veteran savvy. You know, I, I think he's a tough dude. I, I think that he's been around the way. And I think he, if he was given a genuine opportunity, we saw what he did you know, just 12 months ago in the postseason yep. when he was guarding Giannis. So I think that if there wasn't a glut at the big man position, you don't have Paul Millsap competing for minutes and Drummond and LaMarcus Aldridge, and you give Blake a fair shot, you know, who knows? So I think Blake's at the top of my list for that, Nick. But I also do think that he will probably want better opportunities in the way that Steve Nash has used him in latter points and throughout this regular season. I, I think he deserves a little bit more. And he's got a little bit left in the tank. Yeah, I think he was disappointed in the way that the season ended for him. You know, he had the joke on, I think, Bruce Brown's IG Live that he's been doing uh, off-season training since March. And obviously, we saw Blake play a little bit at the end of that series and definitely showed more than Andre Drummond and brought some hustle. But like you said, I think Blake will look to go elsewhere. Andre Drummond, I don't want him back with this team. And LaMarcus, you know, maybe if he wants to be the 15th man, but that ship seems like it's sailed, especially if he's not playing in the postseason. Like you said, the Nets just had too many players on the roster last year that could not play playoff minutes. And it really hampered what they can do. And it limited their versatility. There wasn't really many big adjustments they could make because they also just didn't have other players they could sub in. You know, you look at other teams throughout the league or, you know, past postseasons where, okay, somebody might play, you know, 20 minutes a game in the first round matchup. And then you get to the second round, they don't play at all. That's just the Nets were forced to essentially play the guys that they played just because of the limited options on the roster. And that's not defending Steve Nash. If anything, it's more so taking a shot at Sean Marks. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences 
So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Yeah, and look, there's not a lot of additions that can be made. The Nets have to be a little bit lucky here unless they get something in a trade and or essentially you have Clack, Ben Simmons, and Dayron Sharp. Look, is that you know ideal? Maybe not. But if you Ben Simmons is healthy, he'd, ideally he'd be a sort of small ball five. You know, his rim protection can be is one of his lesser defensive aspects. But it wouldn't be the worst thing in the world. You're not going to spend and and use assets to you know get a Serge Ibaka or a Chris Boucher. You know, I think Jalen Smith is the one that Nets Twitter is in love with, and I understand why, given his skill set. Mobamba as well, but I think Mobamba is a little bit harder to retain, given what he's likely to to acquire on the open market. And you know, they, they did take Paolo Banchero, so maybe he could be you know looking elsewhere. But yeah, it seems to me that you know we, we've had discussions when we we're talking about the guards a, a little bit about you know you know maybe Gary House would be all right, Goran Dragic wouldn't be too bad back, you know Wesley Matthews would be a, a nice one to sort of snag. But out of the the bigs, it's essentially like Jalen Smith's probably at the top of my list, Nick. And you know you've you've sort of you know done a, a pretty extensive breakdown. And then you know probably lower on that list just to have in the rotation as a sort of stretch guy would be a Mike Muscala. And I'm not saying he solves you know Ben Simmons you know offensive woes, but it's at least a body to have that can do something that would you know make up for Ben's weaknesses. Yeah. So Jack, would you say? the biggest need for the Nets at the center position is finding a stretch five. And do you think they need to find a starting level big or you're cool with Claxton being that guy going into the season? No, I think I'm fine with Claxton, Nick. I, you know, he showed that he could do that in, in the postseason against the Boston Celtics and you know, they made the NBA finals. So I think you can sort of mix and match a little bit, but obviously, you know, with Claxton, Ben Simmons, how does that work? Because there's going to need to be some some juggling around here and there with minutes and, and whatever. But ultimately, you just keep talent. And, and I think that the, the simplest thing is just like you want good guys that can play good basketball. Nick Clax and Ben Simmons have their weaknesses, but they're good players. And you'd rather have them than, you know, filling with a Gorgie Jang or a JaVale McGee. And look, both of those guys wouldn't be too bad on the roster. But ultimately, I think you just keep the guys that are the most talented, despite what they might lack on the offensive or defensive side of the ball. Yeah, no, I agree. I think, like, again, I think Claxton's probably the best bet unless the Nets want to put assets out there and make a trade. You know, on the Trade Targets podcast, really only talked about Miles Turner and Mike Muscala. You know, I can't really think of many other stretch bigs that would potentially be available that the Nets could realistically trade for. Like you said, you know, Ben spending a lot of time at small ball five, 
you're looking at, you know, just versatile forwards that can kind of rotate three through five, you know, obviously a la Jeremy Grant, who was traded, but some of the other, PJ Washington. yeah, PJ, uh, PJ Washington would be another great small ball five option that could kind of be versatile through there. Some of the other forwards we mentioned on the trade target stuff, but getting to potential free agent targets. And like we mentioned on the guard podcast, Nets have the taxpayer mid-level exception, which is around $6.4 million. They also have the veteran minimum. So not really much to work with. And again, like we discussed in the guard podcast, you'd want to spend that taxpayer mid-level exception most likely on a wing. Now, if they did spend it on a big, who would be some of the names you'd look at, Jack? Well, it's Mo Bamba, Jalen Smith, and Bobby Portis, Nick. Yeah, I think you put all three of those guys, so I'm going to steal yours. Jalen, I'm going to go through some of the team stats. Team effort, Jack. We're, we're a team here. Teamwork makes the dream work. So in, in terms of Jalen Smith last season, you know, obviously Phoenix was sitting at his uh, fourth-year team option, I, I believe it was, and Indiana sort of just snagged him up. He had 13.4 points, 7.6 rebounds. Uh, he had a, a 0.4 steals, 0.8 assists, one block, 63% from two. 60.3 effective field goal percentage, and he had 37.3% from three on 3.8 attempts. And he's only 20, he'll be going into his age 22 season. He is, he's a guy that would fit seamlessly with the Nets. He's a, he's a good defender as well. You know, I think everyone's in love with him on Nets Twitter. You know, check out the YouTube videos of, of what he can do. I don't know, you know, what his priorities would be. So that's something where it's just like, does he want to go to, to Brooklyn for a winning situation? What are the Nets going to look like? But ultimately, he's probably the best guy on this list. Bobby Portis probably gives you a little bit more steadiness given his postseason experience. Mo Barber gives you a defensive and athletic upside that you probably don't have, but some of his just skill set might sort of clash a little bit with Nick Claxton, but I think his stretchability, and he had a really good year the, the last year for Orlando. So I think you could probably toss those three and sort of you know, make it a bit of a wash. But if I'm ranking them, Nick, and I'll ask you to rank them as well, I'll go Jalen Smith, Mo Bamba, Body Portis, just purely subjectively my own opinion. Yeah, I think uh, not to just kind of shit on anyone's dreams on Nets Twitter, I think Jalen Smith is a great prospect. He is not a proven NBA player. So I think, again, like the, the skills are there, their talent is there, but he's never proven anything in a winning situation. You know, he played essentially meaningless basketball for the Pacers last year and looked good. So it's it's hard for me to be like, well, if they sign Jalen Smith, he's going to come in and, you know, have this great impact and be this huge player. It's a risk. You know, it could work out and it could work out really well or it could work out really poorly because you really just don't know what he can do. And there's obviously a reason Phoenix let him go and moved on from him and didn't pick up his option. Obviously, there is definitely talent there. And I think there is potential defensively, but it's still nothing, you know, set in stone that he's a, a great defender. And his three-point shot, he shot really well with the Pacers. But if you look back to the limited time he played with Phoenix, you know, 23% from three, 32% from three, 23% from three. Obviously, it's very hard to find a rhythm when you're not getting consistent minutes. But Jalen Smith, to me, is a, a good player and has potential to be probably a great player, but I'm not sure he's the right fit for the Nets if they're still in a championship window. You know, if Kyrie and KD are gone, Jalen Smith probably makes more sense for the Nets because they can kind of let him develop into, you know, what he can be. But if you're going to tell me, like, you know, this is one of our top bigs we have to count in the postseason, definitely makes me a little bit nervous just because I, I don't know what he looks like in a, on a real team in a real situation. And 
I would probably feel the most confident with Bobby Portis because I know what he can do and he's proven to be, you know, a championship level player, had a huge impact with, you know, the Bucks last year in the postseason. This previous year wasn't as good, but still none of these guys I'm not sure I'm in love with with a taxpayer mid-level exception because they have their flaws. You know, even Mo Bamba, like he, he's enticing too, but he's similar to Jalen Smith. He's shown some flashes, but he also like wasn't consistently dominating in Orlando. It's not like he was the starter and he was locking up and having all these huge games when there's plenty of opportunities for him to be that guy. So for me, like none of the big strike me as taxpayer mid-level exception. Like yeah, if I had to pick one, I'd probably go with Portis, probably Jalen Smith second and then Mo Bamba third. And I know some people probably hate this take, but I think it's important to realize that like playing well in the postseason in a winning situation and playing well in the regular season in a losing situation are typically drastically different. Yeah. I mean, it's literally what I just sort of not rants about, but discussed in relation to Nick Claxton and yeah. the reason why he is the top of this list. I think that as you alluded to, it sort of made me think about, you know, taxpayer MLE veteran minimum. If you're getting Jalen Smith on a veteran minimum, that is an absolute yeah. home run. And you do that in a goddamn heartbeat. But For he'll a get reliability. They'll, they'll, I mean, they likely would be, but like you alluded to, Nick, you know, there's a reason why Phoenix let him go. There's a reason why Indiana have 48 million other centers and, and might not want to choose to retain him. And with Mo Bamba, you know, he has a qualifying offer for $10 million. So is he going to go for unders and take the taxpayer MLE in Brooklyn? Yeah. That Financially, that doesn't make a lot of sense for him in a similar way where it's like Kyrie Irving's going to take the mid-level exception you know, in, <laughs> in Los Angeles. So... I, I, I agree with you in terms of your reliability aspect with Bobby Portis. He's he's had some big moments. He's had some big moments against our Nets. He's had some big moments in the postseason. And it's almost a little bit weird that, you know, Milwaukee haven't chosen to commit to him. And I think his defense has improved as well. So I think if you're looking for that sort of steadying force, you know, the sort of floor ceiling thing, which we like to discuss quite a bit, you know, the floor of Bobby Portis is, is something that you're willing to probably throw a taxpayer MLA at. Whereas with Jalen Smith, it's it's a, a much more variable, but not long term in the short term, which is what we the, the Nets will be hoping for the next three four years with Kevin Durant signed and, and hopefully Kyrie signed. You know the championship window that they they have. So I, I think that it is worth sort of talking about you know the the different avenues, and that's why it it's really good that you sort of listed you know the avenues that the Nets can sort of acquire and and and, and access talent and. You do dive deep into the sort of trade show with Justin. You guys did a really good job of that. But again, the big position is not a position that should be prioritized. It has to be wings, Nick. And you know, if you get, you know, Mike Muscala or Gorgie Jangle, JaVale McGee, but you get PJ Washington, then I'm going to be happy. Yeah, there's a chance that you really don't utilize this big that much unless it's in a matchup against the Bucks or the Sixers. You know what I mean? Like if you're playing Miami... Axton was really good. Yeah, you know, had some really good, had some really good moments against Giannis. And this season, somehow my thread on Nick Claxton's defense against um, Joel Embiid, you know, just popped back up again, and people started quote tweeting it. And I'm like, oh yeah, I remember how good he was in this yeah. game, and, and he was, and I think he looks, you know, everyone's sort of like, you know, it's been four years, and Nick Claxton doesn't put on muscle, which is like, let's just not do the sort of body watch thing, like. Nick Claxton is getting stronger and stronger. He's obviously going to be working out. He's putting in a, a heap of work. I don't need him to, you know, Anthony Davis put on, you know, a, a heap of muscle and stuff. And he had one of the worst seasons he's had in a very, very long time. I won't sort of like correlate muscles for Nick Claxton being good. Nick Claxton's a good player. Does he need to get stronger? Probably. But he's also shown that he can hold up in, in moments against some of the strongest players in the NBA, like Joel Embiid. Yeah, and he utilizes his quickness and his speed. And I think that's something for him to kind of prioritize moving forward. And also, like, 
Clax had mono last year. That like forces you to lose weight. Like it's very common for someone to have mono to lose anywhere from like 10 to 30 pounds. So much as we know, he had a great off season in the gym last year and lost a lot of that. And like we similarly talked about with Jared Allen, like when you start to hit your mid twenties, you start to put on like that grown man muscle where it's just a little bit easier to hold on that weight where when you're younger, your metabolism is ridiculous. And Claxton obviously is just a long skinny dude and plays basketball and runs the floor and all those things. It's hard to kind of maintain weight sometimes. So hopefully he, like you said, Jack, it's more so the strength than the weight. You want to just see, you know, probably that lower body strength improve and you want to see that core strength improve. I don't really care that much about upper body strength in basketball. It's probably more of an overrated trait, but getting I think to, the, yeah, oh, the only thing I would say about that, Nick, is going back to your point earlier about the screening. Nick Claxton hasn't yeah. been an amazing screener. So having a, a little bit more heft on his shoulders. But even still, just having the low, like this, the core, you know, like when you, when you try to move somebody, if your legs are weak, you're going to get moved. If your legs are strong, good luck. Yeah, no, exactly. So overall strength, we don't need body mass. Yeah, exactly. Getting to the veterans, Jack, obviously I'll just run down the list and then you tell me which guys you kind of like. Serge Ibaka, Chris Boucher, Robin Lopez, JaVel McGee. Uh, Diang, DeMarcus Cousins, Dwayne Dedman, Mike Muscala has a team option, Thomas Bryan, Nemanja Bielitsa, and Moses Brown. Chris Boucher is the guy that sticks out to me, Nick. Now, I think he's he played, you know, a solid amount for Toronto last season, you know, 9.4 points, you know, that doesn't really stick out, 6.2 rebounds, you know, 57.5% from two, uh, only 29.7% from three, but was one, was 388 3% from three the previous year on 3.9 attempts. So I think he has, and then before that, 32.2%, before that, 32.4%. So I think if you have Boucher and you have Clax and you've got Daron Sharp, that's a center rotation that I'd be pretty comfortable with because I think you've got athleticism. You've got a little bit of, you've got some strength and rebounding with Daron Sharp. You've got the switchability from both Boucher and Clax. And Boucher is also, also a really good athlete. He's, he can be a, a little bit inconsistent with some of his play, but I, I like him just because he's also, you know, he's in his age 29 season, which, you know, because he came into the league so late at 25. So, you know, he's sort of like the, the vet guy that you would sort of add. I was surprised to sort of see that. But ultimately, I, I like Boucher. And yes, Serge Barker, uh, I don't know what's going on with his his back th- these days, but, you know, he's obviously got the established relationship with Kevin Durant. We spoke about him in last year's postseason. I think JaVale McGee wouldn't be a, a, a bad add either. You know, anywhere he goes, teams seem to find success. So maybe a bit of good juju having Javel around the way. You know, he's had success in Phoenix last year and Golden State before that. Um, DeMarcus Cousins doesn't interest me. I used to be a sort of Dwayne Dedman guy, but I'm not necessarily as much anymore given, you know, the postseason that he had with Miami. Thomas Bryan, I think, could be a nice ad given if Washington decide to go a different direction and they decide to sort of go uh, the Daniel Gafford around it and prioritize around him. Nemanja Bielita had a pretty good postseason, uh, I think, in, in, in moments and spurts for Golden State, but I would probably expect him to stay there for maybe a vet minimum. So I, I think that that's more likely. But there are some gettable guys there. And Robin Lopez seems to just know how to... He's probably the ultimate locker room guy, the ultimate vet guy. Can get a few buckets here or there. It's just steadying force, the sort of low floor um, sort of vet guy that you want to have in a similar sort of vein to sort of JaVale McGee. So... There's a, there's a lot of different names there, Nick. I don't think any of them totally move me one way or another, but Chris Boucher stands out a little bit. What about you? Yeah, I think you like Chris Boucher, obviously. You know, 
has that potential three ball, is switchy. Kamos has you know similar to Claxton in some ways. Um, like you mentioned with some of the other guys, like Robin Lopez and Javel McGee are like your truest centers on the list, have that real seven footer size can give you, you know, probably solid minutes against a Joel Embiid in the post. Obviously not going to stop him, but make him work a little bit. Then you look at Serge, you look at Cousins, you look at Deadman as kind of those older stretch fives. You know, they used to be able to do more, but now they're kind of just out there because they can knock down a jumper. Obviously, DeMarcus has a little bit more to his game offensively, but defensively is probably the worst of the three. Uh, Deadman, like you said, is kind of hit or miss and there's just something strange with Dwayne Dedman that I think is unknown to like the NBA public. Remember last year he went on sign for so long and then all of a sudden signed with the Heat. So who knows what's going on there? And Surge is intriguing, and you could definitely see the connection because of you know the relationship he has with Kevin Durant, very close to signing with the Nets a few years ago. Um, but his health is definitely in question. How much he can stand on the floor? Maybe it's kind of like a limited role in which we saw Blake early on in his Nets days. Maybe there could be success. Mike Muscala, I think OKC will pick up that option because they know they could probably get a second-round pick for him. Um, Thomas Bryan is pretty intriguing. You know, defensively, not very good, but does have a level of physicality. Spicing. Yeah, and, and he spicing. provides that three-point shooting. You know, he shot... Last year, yeah. Last year wasn't great for him, Nick. I'm but he was coming off the torn ACL, so we'll give him a exactly. pass. Exactly. So and you look at the previous two seasons. Last season, you know, he played 27. This season, he only played 27 games. Last season, he played 10 games. Like, he's the, – the health issue – and he's only 24 years old, so it's sort of like maybe a, a slightly more reliable and experienced Jalen Smith in, in in a lot of ways. I think he's probably a bit worse defensively. Yeah. And coming off an ACL, you know, the Nets have so many guys, you know, rehabbing, coming off sort of serious injuries, despite the fact that, you know, he was out there for a little bit. But, you know, only 28.6% last year. But, you know, before that was 42.9% and 40.7%. But the volume wasn't necessarily amazing. But out of all these guys, Nick, who who do you think, if any, could hold up a little bit in, in a postseason? Because you know we're we're talking about the Nets, you know, hopefully as still a championship sort of threat. Out of all these guys, you know, we can go from Bobby Portis down to Moses Brown. Give me a couple of names, if any, that could hold up, you know, in a couple of sort of possessions. Like we saw Nemanja Bjelica, yeah. so we don't necessarily need to discuss him. But can Chris Boucher do it? Can Bobby Portis do it? Can Jalen Smith do it? Mo Bamba, JaVale McGee, Gorgie Jank, Serge Ibaka. What names do you think could hold up you know, in the Nets rotation in the postseason? Could be you know number eight or nine in the rotation, sort of backup big maybe. Yeah, I think Portis definitely could hold up because we've already seen it happen. Surge is a major question mark because of the age, and I just think his mobility has taken a hit, and back injuries are very scary for bigs. Chris Boucher, I think, could hold up in a series in the right matchups. Um, obviously, depending on his play, because the one reason that he he would be potentially available for the vet minimum is he's just been very sporadic in Toronto. There's been times where he's looked awesome, and other times you're like, are you sure he's an NBA player? So, and Robin Lopez could hold up in matchups against you know Joel Embiid, where they're not facing a team that's you know forcing and attacking him in isolation situations. Probably the same thing with Javale McGee. Cousins, I don't think holds up very well. Dwayne Dedman could probably do a little bit. Mike Muscala, the same thing as Dedman. And honestly, like Portis and Bielitz are the two guys that I would have confidence in because I've seen them do it. The other guys have either, you know, done it at some point in their career, but haven't done it that recently. So really, you know, Portis and Bielitz, I think Bielitz is very interesting to me because the one thing the Nets could offer is potentially more playing time than Golden State. True. 
and and it depends on what he prioritizes there. But you know, I think that one to change his mind champ- too. Yeah, no, exactly. So yeah, that, that that's true. Given given his history in terms of free agency and stuff, I think guys that you alluded to there. I don't need to necessarily add anything to it, but guys that could hold up. You know, we spoke about floor and ceiling there. You know, Jalen Smith could, Mo Barber yeah, could, yeah. could, Chris Boucher, Chris Boucher could. Those guys could, but you know, do you want could or will? You know, we, yeah. we already know. And again, it obviously depends on what you're getting them for. Taxpayer MLE, vet minimums, trade or whatever. And I think Mike Muscala could as just sort of like a guy. If you're just going all offense and, you know, the, the sort of old school, not it feels like old school Nets of, you know, a couple of seasons ago where they're just you know, full on offense. We don't necessarily care about doing anything. And you can just sit in the corner, Mike Muscala, sort of like a, just an offensively version of Jeff Green. Sort of just like you're a small ball five and you're going to play next to Ben. Ben will just roam around. Katie will roam around. And they'll clean up anything that you, you need from us. And you can play, even play Mike Muscala even next to Claxton as well. So I think that Mike Muscala isn't, you know, the the be all and end all. But he gives you, I guess, because of his his ability to shoot the ball, probably the best or, or one of the best out of all these guys, you know, in the free agency market, gives him malleability within what the Nets already have in Ben Simmons and Nick Claxton. Yeah, and I mean, he's true center size, Mike Muscala. Like, he can block a shot at the rim. He's not an elite rim protector or anything like that, but he at least has some height to him and can do a little bit. So, yeah, Muscala and Jalen Smith would probably be two more guys, like you said, Jack, that could. They could hold up in the right situations if things and work Bamba, out. Bamba, I think, as well, yeah. in a similar vein. Yeah, with Bamba, too. I think his uh, versatility, it's just like... Bamba's very interesting to me because there's so much potential there and it just feels like it hasn't really got developed much in Orlando. And obviously some of that's on Orlando, some of that's on Bamba, but in the right situation, he could really pop off. I'm like you kind of alluded to earlier, very unlikely the Nets could land him given his qualifying offer and the attention he'll get. And I think somebody would probably be willing to offer him a mid-level exception because there's just so much potential when you have a stretch five like that can block shots and has the level of athleticism that he has. Yeah, I, I totally agree with you on that, Mark. So I think we're probably both in the same realm that we think a vet minimum is more likely to happen yep. if the Nets want to you know, upgrade at the, at the big position beyond Nick Claxton, hopefully, and obviously Dayron Sharp, who is under contract. Who do you think who would you who do you think is most realistic and who is ideal to sort of just get it at, at that vet minimum? Because I, like you alluded to and we've spoken about, Bobby Porter doesn't seem likely. Jalen Smith, maybe I think it, it could go either way. But you know, is a is a Chris Boucher, a Serge Ibaka, or a Mike Muscala? You know, who who is the guy that sort of you know, would be like, please? Yeah, I mean, I think you like you said, the taxpayer mid level exception guy is probably very unlikely, and I don't, and I like to spend that in the wing position anyways. I think you'd be excited with a, a Chris Boucher or a Mike Muscala, and I could definitely see a surge just because, like I alluded to, the relationship between him and Kevin Durant, maybe a little resurgence. And for some reason, I feel like there has been a report at one time the Nets had interest in Thomas Bryant, or maybe it was like even pre-draft. So that wouldn't surprise me either. I think just one of these stretch fives is something the Nets are really going to look to grab. I could even see them potentially signing two veteran minimum bigs, you know, rolling to next season with four bigs, Nick Claxton, Dayron Sharp, and two of these guys. Yeah, and then you just cut one, hopefully. I mean, I, I'm wary of that, Nick, given the the fact that we had basically a million six foot ten plus guys and yeah. a million six foot three and less guys. So I, I would just be happy if worse comes to worse, you sign Nick Claxton, you keep Damon Sharp, and Ben Simmons is hopefully healthy. I don't think yeah. that's the worst thing in the world. But if you add something, I think only adding like a 
look, ideally, you know, Chris Boucher and, and Mike Miscala are probably the guys. And you know, obviously, ideally, somebody who can yeah. really shoot threes and willing to shoot threes. Because some of these guys, I would say, are fake three point shooters, if that makes sense. If your volume yeah, is yeah. under two, you're you might yeah. not even be taking a three every game where, you know, some of these other guys are willing to kind of just let it go. And that's what you need with Ben. You know, you need someone who's willing to let it loose. And did Mike Miscala play with Ben Simmons or did they not overlap when in Philadelphia? Let me take a look. I would think they did because 2018, 19, 18, 19. Uh, yeah, I would think that they overlapped. So, look, obviously we heard that Ben Simmons doesn't have any friends in the locker room, but uh, at, least a guy, <laughs> at least a guy that he knows in, in Mike Miscala can't hurt. And, you know, Ben Simmons is is incredible at generating threes. It's one of his top skills, you know, on the offensive end in terms of his his playmaking. So having, you know, I think everyone is, is harping on, on the sort of three-point shooting. And, and for those that you know aren't as adverse, you know, the most reliable three-point shooter out of this list is probably Mike Muscala, you know. This season, 42.9% on 3.8 attempts. Last season, 37% on over five attempts. 37.8% on three attempts in 19-20. And in 18-19, 36.8%. So with the the Lakers for a, for a short spurt. So I think that Mike Muscala makes sense the, the most given you know, the, the fit. But ultimately, Nick, I think the big position shouldn't be prioritized. But it has been prioritized before by Sean Marks. And predicting what he can do and, and what the front office and, and ownership could do. Who knows? But hopefully there is at least just, as I've alluded to on, on this podcast, it's an, an addition of talent. Yeah. Like just getting skill set. Talent, skill set, and maybe... If you're lucky, a guy can contribute in a postseason setting. Agreed. And I think also, excuse me, important to know with Muscala, he does have a team option. Like I said, it'd probably be likely that uh, the OKC picks it up and then kind of takes accepts a second-round pick for him. So something that I think is on the table, something we discussed on the trade target stuff. I guess, Jack, final question would be, would you rather see the Nets stick with the free agent stuff or would you like to see them make a minor move or a bigger move with uh, a trade? Um, I think that it, it depends on who you're getting in return. If it's Mike Muscala, like you alluded to there, Nick, like you, there are so many, like the, the big market is like, you know, it's DeAndre Ayton, Yusuf Nurkic, and like the, the Nets aren't really going to go after either of those guys. If you're going to put assets on the table, you put assets on the table for a guy that can genuinely help you. So a la what Jeremy Grant probably would have been if you're throwing Joe Harris in there or, or whatever else. So I, I think just sort of, Adding in to sort of, you know, six to nine in the rotation, you know, with the sort of big man position or taking a flyer if you're lucky on talent, you know, isn't the worst thing in the world either. Those would be my priorities. Yeah, I agree. I think, you know, you maybe entertain the idea of a Miles Turner trade, but again, I don't think that's something you really care about. And I think and, also and that would be like around Jalen Smith as well, because both of those guys in Indiana, you know, there's Gogar and. I don't know who they selected uh, with the Pacers pick. You know, if Miles Turner were to, you know, be traded or be heavily rumored, or or Jalen Smith as well, we'd have to get K Wall on to to discuss about it because you know his in depth knowledge of the Pacers. He was at the draft as well, yep. so I think that it'd be a fun discussion to have with him. And Miles Turner is, is rumored so heavily to the Nets that it's it's the basically it's now that Aaron Golden has signed long term somewhere else. It's it's Miles Turner and you know it's Jalen Smith might be the the guy next to sort of replace it there, but. Yeah, I think Miles Turner would fit you know, really well next to, and I know you guys have discussed this or plenty on the buzz, but Miles Turner is your sort of ideal fit. But I also do think that defensively against a Joel Embiid and against a Giannis, he can get a little bit found out. I think that, you know, I don't think he has the same 
sort of quickness as a, as a Nick Claxton does, but I do think as a rim protector, he's one of the best in the league yeah. at that. And I don't think that rim protection is the be-all and end-all, but he is amazing at that. He is a, a really good offensive player. And is if you're talking about talent on this list, you're putting Miles Turner like under DeAndre Ayton as possible sort of big men to acquire in the offseason, whether it's through free agency or trade. He's he's always on the market for, for the paces, and, and maybe the Nets could get him four unders in some sort of package if you replace if you keep Seth Curry and you lose Joe Harris for Miles Turner. Look, Miles Turner's had some injury history as well. Joe yeah. Harris coming off an ankle surgery. So there's a lot of things to consider, but it wouldn't be the worst thing in the world, Nick, because I think Miles Turner's talent and just ability. He's a you know, if you have if you have Nick Claxton and Miles Turner as your center rotation, that's a pretty fierce and defensive uh, duo. And you could probably play them out there together because Nick Claxton's just so good at switching. Yeah, uh, no, you definitely could. I think it would just be also, you know, Miles fit offensively is really great because he's a real three-point shooter out there and, you know, has consistently taken over four attempts the last three seasons. And, you know, the other question with him is rebounding isn't necessarily great, but like you said, his rim protection is his elite. And he's a guy that was up for Defensive Player of the Year a few seasons ago. I think the only other question I would have with him is just like his switchability isn't obviously at the same level of Claxton, but it's not bad. It's just trying to find the right defense for this team, depending on who's on it. But it'll be interesting to see what happens with the center position. Like we've kind of discussed, you know, guards and centers, probably not priorities for the Nets. It's really that wing position. As KD said on Twitter, it's a wings league. So it's a wings league. <laughs> so obviously we need to see the Nets make some moves, moves. And even like he said on the podcast, you know, he said we need to make upgrades to the team. And obviously, that's all around. You know, the center position. Talk to some people, please, Kevin. Don't don't do what like don't, I know what Sean Marks is doing, mate. Look, we'll, that, that's an episode for another day. We'll get some more people on, but we'll dissect the podcast and stuff. But we wanted to get back to some nitty gritty basketball stuff, which is fun as well. We've been doing a lot of content throughout this week, and and it's been fun. And I might have the opportunity to do a little bit more, given the fact that I will be on a, a bit of a, a a vacation break from work, so might be able to have a few emergency episodes here or there, hopefully positively, but. Good to discuss the big position with you, Nick, and the and the wing ones should be a fun one also. Yeah, 100%, Jack. And like you said, happy to talk about some actual basketball-related stuff. But as always, a pleasure. Big thanks to everybody for listening. Check the buzz on all streaming platforms. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.